You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. All right, and we are live. It is Chad Jensen. It is Zach Kelberman, the Huddle Up Podcast. Coming to you live, simulcasting on YouTube and Facebook to sift through, as it were, the aftermath of the Denver Broncos' humiliating loss to the Buffalo Bills. Zach, how you doing tonight, bro? I'm ready to talk about Drew Locke because I think we're finally going to get ready to see more of him, Chad. I don't want to give the whole show away. I'm happy to be talking about Drew Locke today and uh, see where the Broncos go from here. Absolutely. We uh, we have some... Well, I don't know how much we'll have to put our tinfoil hats on, but there's definitely some, you know, we're going to have to read between the lines a little bit here based on what Fangio said. But I think there's enough to sink our teeth into to kind of give us a a more certain feeling of which way this thing is headed. And we're going to get to it. Let me just quickly welcome in those of you who've been hanging out in the room on YouTube and Facebook. Welcome in Costa. What's up? Uh, Vitron, what's going on? Uh, Aaron, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us once again. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. And for those of you who might be new to the show, I'm Chad Jensen. My partner here is Zach Kelberman, the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. Also covers the Denver Broncos here on the pod. And he's going to be unveiling a new column here very, very soon, covering your Denver Broncos at Mile High Huddle. What do you got cooking on that, Zach? So I think I'm going to do something about Drew Locke and sort of a, a Q&A. I'm not going to give anything away, but I think a Q&A as to the way the Broncos are going to deploy him and what fans can reasonably expect. Not too optimistic, not too negative. A realistic look and a Q&A question and answer on Drew Locke. All right, so look forward to that, you guys. And we're going to dive into the show here in just a second. First thing, though, really quick, just a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to, when you get some time, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review on the show. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, a five-star rating, what that does is two things. Helps the show out tremendously from an organic perspective, helps get the show out in front of new people. And then also it enters you into our monthly drawing, our giveaway. Each month, Zach and I draw a couple names out of the hat of those who left a review. So for the month of November, we'll draw randomly one or two names out of the hat and uh, send some Huddle Up podcast slash Mile High Huddle merch your way. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next Sunday could be the can't-miss game of the year for Denver Broncos fans, especially if the Broncos make a change at quarterback. Make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. 
Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy, new users, make sure you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout. That's OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, Zach, let's get to the main meat and potatoes of today's podcast. What in the Sam Hill is going on with Drew Locke? Are the Denver Broncos going to finally pull the trigger? That's what's on the minds of everybody. And Vic Fangio, Zach, he took a little bit of a step in that direction on Monday, but here's what he said directly on whether or not Drew Locke could be activated before Sunday. Quote, it's possible, yeah, we don't have to make a declaration on him until Tuesday, I believe. As far as this week goes, all options are on the table. We could activate him. We're just going to make that decision here in the next few days. Close quote. And I could go on through here, Zach, and maybe we'll get to a few of his other remarks on Locke, but... What I have sensed, and then I want to serve this over to you, listening to Fangio today, and we've covered each and every press conference Vic Fangio has given since he was hired as the head coach in Denver. This, I could, today, he might not have come out right on Front Street and said it, but you could feel the tonality on Drew Locke changing with regard to what Vic Fangio is saying. Now, that's requiring us to read between the lines a little bit, but, Zach, it feels like there is a shift that the Broncos are working themselves up toward at least activating him, but I think they're going to start him. I think either tomorrow or the next day, probably Wednesday, you'll get word from Vic Fangio that it's heading that direction that they're going to actually start him. What I can't fathom, Zach, is why not just come out and say it today? They've already talked about right. it. Mike Cliss had the report uh, today on, in, on his article on this on the topic. He talked about how Vic Fangio and John Elway already met upstairs, quote-unquote, to discuss this. you got to believe they've come to already some kind of a decision. There's power there's there's some oomph in in being able to come out with it on a Monday, Zach, and say it not only for your team but for the player itself. Get the fans excited, and you know it's going to be a cold game in Denver on Sunday. If you don't start Drew Lock, you're going to have a few thousand people just say, you know what, we're not showing up. Right, but I talked about this on yesterday's pod. With Fangio, it's all about having that competitive advantage and dragging that decision out publicly through the media. It would delay what the Chargers are going to prepare for. So in a sense, I could see Fangio keeping his cards close to his chest. And also, what else is he going to say about meeting with Elway? They want to give the impression that they're on the same page, even if they're not. But I, I am encouraged because it followed the Joe Flacco timeline in terms of how they've handled this publicly. Flacco went from being a day-to-day injury to being an IR. So uh, Fangio went from saying it's not vitally important to playing Locke to yesterday saying that he has no decision, and now it's he's leaving the door open. So the way the Broncos work, it seems like they want to quickly and erratically come to terms on, on things. So judging by the Flacco situation, how Fangio has handled uh, everything, I think we're going to see Locke sooner than later. That's a great observation. It really is an all-or-nothing deal with the Denver Broncos. It's yep. Flacco's our guy, Flacco's our guy till he's not. Brandon Allen's our guy, Brandon Allen's our guy till he's not. Exactly. The question is, is this where the turning point comes? It, it felt different listening to Fangio. He seemed to be much more considerate in how he postured his words and, and what his remarks were on lock today, as opposed to the last few weeks, especially, let's just say the last month of the season, Zach, very dismissive. Anytime a lock question came up, he would answer it, you know, coach speak, but still very dismissive kind of, why are you asking me this? We're talking about a player that's on injured reserve, but that changed. I mean, there were 16 questions volleyed at Vic Fangio today, 11 of them on the topic of Drew Locke. He answered every one. And it sounds like to me, a decision has been made, but they're waiting. I don't know why they're waiting, but it sounds like they're going to wait till Wednesday to announce it. And by the way, Steven jumping in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Thank you, 
Thank you so much, my brother. And uh, we really appreciate your support. We got some stuff coming out to you and all of our Super Chat donors, our big donors on Super Chat. Those of you who have been supporting the show, grassroots effort. Um, we have some stuff coming your way, some some merchandise that's been put in the mail. Zach, you got that started on that today. I was going to say, Stephen, you are one of the uh, among the first batch of shirts that did go out today. So look for that around Friday of this week. Uh, two other people also got uh, in the mail their shirts sent out. So Stephen, we appreciate your support. We see you and everybody else, and we're going to uh, treat you guys as much as possible with some nice uh, Huddle Up Pod swag. Christy, you're on the list as well. So yes. uh, it'll be coming your direction. We have your deets, so it'll be coming to you here soon as well. Thanks for joining us tonight. But yeah, Zach, I mean, it feels like the tide is turning. I can't see. I mean, if you think back, let's let's just really quickly for the sake of posterity here, review how bad Brandon Allen was in week 12 for your Denver Broncos. He completed, coming off a game against the Vikings in which he completed 43.5% of his passes, he completed just 40%. All right. He had 85 yards passing on over 25 <laughs> attempts, Zach. Do you know the last time that happened? I mean, it's been five years in the NFL since a quarterback attempted that many passes and passed for 82 yards or whatever it was or less. That's how long it's been. I mean, some quarterbacks throw for that yardage in the first quarter of games. It's When you yeah. put that in, in comparison and relatively speaking, it, it was an abominable performance all the way around. But it just proved that it was a blessing in disguise again because if Brandon Allen would have inflated his numbers, let's say, in garbage time, all it would have done was delay the Drew Locke insertion. So in a sense, I'm glad they went through that embarrassment because it's going to expedite the future. And by the way, Christy, that shirt, Zach's wearing one of them right now, hashtag football priest, huddle up podcast on the back. Heading your way. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christy, for the donation and your consistent uh, support of the show, keeping us going. And also, we got to say thank you here to Drew chipping in twenty dollars on Super Chat. He says, "All I'm looking for from Locke is improvement each week. That's all anyone can ask. Locke needs to play to learn. He's going to make mistakes and take some shots." That's how you grow as a player, Zach. Common sense, and it's something we've been parroting for for months now. It doesn't wins and losses don't matter. Touchdowns, interceptions really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. You want him to take his lumps. You want him to fail. It's going to make him a better player. That's how he was in college. I'm sure that's how he was even in Pee Wee. He's a competitive guy. He's an alpha personality, and he learns and he grows by getting out there, by getting dirty, and getting some experience. Yeah, I mean – in the grand scheme of things, in terms of the overall picture, yeah, you want – and coaches, you know, they go into each and every week. They want to win, especially coaches, man. Like, they are under an insane and inordinate amount of pressure to win on Sunday-to-Sunday basis. But right now, the season – that the, the aspect of fielding – you know, you want to field the most competitive and respectable product on the field each and every week as possible. We get that. But at this stage where the team's postseason hopes are dashed, they're long in the rear view, they're eight losses heading into week 13 – This is about getting an evaluation on the most crucial question facing your team. You can't go into 2020 without a solid evaluation on Drew Locke. And so that's what this opportunity, this fork in the road presents the Denver Broncos is, look, we understand they didn't want to, Zach. They didn't want to play Drew Locke this year, and that's not necessarily an indictment on him. They thought they had it locked down with with Joe Flacco, that he would be able to come in, keep them competitive, you know, batting down the hatches, play great defense, get the running game going with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, and be able to go out and win some ball games and at least be around 500, buy some time for Drew Locke to develop. It didn't work out that way on two fronts. One, Zach, Joe Flacco came out and was terrible, just bad. And it was in combination with a, a first-time coordinator learning on the job. You know, we can't completely 
bashed Flacco off for 100% of the fault of the Denver Broncos offense that first half of the season. But then he got hurt, and that forced the issue for the Broncos. That took the Drew Locke question from being a 2020 to a 2019 issue, and now they need answers because Brandon Allen's performance, Zach, was so bad in Buffalo. I mean, it's an indictment on the team. It's embarrassing. You can't – I mean, it's worse. We're talking like – at least with Tim Tebow, when he would go into games and fail to complete 50% of his passes, Zach, like that game in 2011, which he goes on the road to Kansas City, completes two passes and the Broncos win. Okay, but the key component missing there for Brandon Allen, Tim Tebow still found a way to win. And it was a outlier, yes. It was, you know, an exception that proved the rule. Eventually it came out to, you know, came out in the wash in the playoffs. The Broncos got trounced by the Patriots in the divisional round, and the rest is history. Brandon Allen doesn't have that magic factor that Tim Tebow brought to the table. He doesn't have the other offensive components to his skill set as far as being a ball carrier and just generally speaking, a playmaker. The wins aren't coming. It was bad, Zach. And so the Broncos now, you know, if they want to maintain credibility in terms of, you know, John Elway going out there on his weekly appearance on KOA and saying, you know, we're going to play the guys that we believe give us the best chance to win. I wrote about this last night. You can no longer, if you are a Broncos brass, say that Brandon Allen gives you the best chance to win. I mean, they can say that, but they're still starting Garrett Bowles every week. So that's going to fall on deaf ears very soon with, with the quarterback situation. But I, I kind of feel for Allen in a sense. No, he was bad yesterday against Buffalo, but look what he was facing. A really good defense on the road and in really bad weather with bad play calling and, and a supporting cast that's still gelling together. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the literal bridge from the old to the new in, in Drew Locke. So he did his best. He's a career backup type talent. He's not a starter, and the Broncos are kind of fitting a square peg in a round hole here. And once they have Drew Locke, I think those those shapes will start to match up a little more. Look, Brandon Allen, all right, I think he exceeded everyone's expectations, at least initially, especially the Broncos, okay? This, that first game against the Browns, he came out, and, you know, the, it, his, his three-game tenure as a starter is very much Brandon Allen, a tale of two six-quarter uh I guess, portions to a game, all right? The first six quarters he played, he was, he, I wouldn't say lights out, but he beat the Cleveland Browns and got up 20 to nothing on the Minnesota Vikings. The ensuing, the back half of that six quarters have been arguably the worst quarterback play in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. he has now two games in a row below 50% uh, completion. Now, for those of you who might not realize it, in the NFL, I mean, the bare minimum bones benchmark for for passing grades as, as an NFL quarterback is 50. Most quarterbacks in the NFL are 60% completion and above. If you're batting below 50% completion, it's it's incompetence. It's you're just you're just not ready for the opportunity. You don't have what it takes. And Allen, I think he proved in that three-game stretch, Zach, that he can be a guy that comes in, can give a team a spark short term, keep the seat warm if something happens to your starter. He's a backup. You know, he's a Trevor Simeon. He's that guy that can give you the spark, give you the lift, but it's fleeting. It's short-term. It's illusory. It's not real. He doesn't have the goods. It's a temporary short-term Band-Aid. And Drew Locke, you know, we don't know that he's anything more than that yet, but he was drafted to be more than that. The skill set's there. The tools are there. We need to see the evaluation on the field. And by the way, thank you, AJ, for the $2 donation on Super Chat. Hats off to Vaughn. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder how the team dinner was last night. I wonder where they went, Chad, after losing that game <laughs> last night. Always yeah. this time. Yeah, right, yeah, Cherry Creek. Yeah, I mean, he's had a great career with the Broncos that I feel, talking about Vaughn real quick, it's just getting a little overshadowed by this season and, and kind of the butting of the heads with, with Fangio, so to speak. But great player for the Broncos, future first ballot Hall of Famer. It's still exciting and rewarding to see him get the acclaim and those accolades. Yeah, I mean, look – to use the verbiage that Zach uses as a writer, you can say that Von Miller's in his ninth season, but probably the most apropos way to describe it is he's in his age 30 season. And I'm mm. not a huge believer in coincidence. You know, players fear the 30 mark. You know, it's kind of the over the hill mark for NFL players. And I'm not saying Vaughn's over the hill. Don't get me wrong. Don't twist what I'm saying. But you have to at least on some level tie the fact that he's now in his ninth season and he's 30 years old to this sudden drop off in production. We also found out in uh, Buffalo that he banged up his knee. In fact, it was bad enough mm-hmm. that he required treatment today at the facility on Monday and further evaluation. Fangio thinks he's going to be fine, but they thought that about Drew Locke immediately following the game mm-hmm. in which he ended up significantly spraining his knee so uh, or his thumb, excuse me. So we'll see what happens with Vaughn. But the one thing I learned about Vaughn Miller this year, let me tell you my ultimate takeaway, is that sometimes in the case of Batman – he needs his Robin more than people realize. And Von Miller has really struggled without Bradley Chubb uh, being able to take some of the pressure and the focus off of him. And if you go back in time, Zach, Von Miller's had a double-digit sack um, partner on the opposite side of the line rushing with him in almost each and every season in which he's achieved double-digit sacks, whether it was Elvis Dumerville, DeMarcus Ware, or Bradley Chubb. This is the first season in a long time since he injured his knee, in fact, and was suspended in 2013, where he's had to carry all the water as the primary pass rusher. But it's also his first season in a Vic Fangio scheme, and he's just gone downhill. I mean, he had Bradley Chubb last year, and you know he still did sacks in Vance Joseph's scheme. So, yep. yeah, he definitely misses Bradley Chubb. Malik Reed is not that type of talent, but he's still underperformed, and I think he's well overpaid for the production that he's given the Broncos right now. Stu jumping in with a $4 donation you, on Super Chat wants to know what happened to Connor McGovern. So for those of you who missed it, you can go to milehighhuddle.com. There's a story up that shows the video. After the game in Buffalo, there was a little bit of a confrontation between Bill's defensive end, Shaq Lawson, a former first-round pick from Clemson, former five-star recruit, and Connor McGovern, in which Shaq Lawson basically got in his face and said, F you, F you. You know my name now. I got two sacks on your ass. You know, the whole thing. Go check it out. We try and keep this family-friendly language on the podcast so you can go watch it yourself. Uh, not Well, I, actually, the video itself is bleeped out, but so I guess you can say it is safe for work, but just be careful. Nevertheless, we find out after the fact that so, at some point earlier in the game, it's unclear whether or not Zach happened in pregame warm-ups. More likely it happened during the game. McGovern made some kind of a comment to Lawson basically saying, you know, I don't even know who you are, dude. I don't even know your name. Standing on the mountain of achievement that is only the second two sack game in his four year career, was filling his oats enough to run up to McGovern and get in his face. And it's pretty funny. Go check it out. It's on the website right now, milehighhuddle.com. Yeah, and you know what? That's what happens when you go into a visiting team stadium and you lose, uh, you get blown out, you get trounced, and the opposing team wants to flex a little bit. It's just what happens. Lawson is on a superstar, but like you said, Chad, he was feeling himself. And I have a, a screenshot on my Twitter account during the game. McGovern was completely turned around. I mean, they had a, yeah. a literal straight line shot at Brandon Allen in that game. He had no idea what he was doing. So in that sense, I completely understand it. a competitor, an opponent, flexing on him. Yep. 
Well, and as I said in the article, you know, I was kind of trying to have a little bit of humor in the moment, but two sacks, tip your cap to him. It's only the second time in Lawson's career that he's had a double, di- a, a two sack game. He's only got 15 sacks in his whole career, by the way, and he was a former first round pick. So, you know, he's got to celebrate at this point each and every victory that he can get, whether it's moral or, or uh, you know, in, in earnest. But two, two sacks, one of them, though, Zach, here's what I'll say. One of those sacks Lawson got on, on the Broncos, as you said, he came completely untouched. It was a miscommunication. We're not talking about Von Miller-level edge pressure in which he's beating somebody straight up right. one-on-one on the edge and getting to the quarterback. Both of Lawson's sacks, in fact, now that I think about it, Basically had to do with the Broncos miscue on one form or another. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll see how that shakes out in the wash. Rich jumping in with a $5 donation Thank on you, Super Chat. Appreciate you, bro. He says, we flock for luck. And that's something, <laughs> Zach, uh, interestingly enough, that Vic Fangio spoke to as well. Let me see if I can find the quote here. Talking about the clamor that exists out there for Drew Locke in the fan base on whether or not Locke being a hot topic with the public will impact the team's decision to start him or not, Fangio said, quote, no, I think we need to make the decision that we feel is best, understanding everybody's wants from your group, talking to the media, and the group outside, talking about the fans, but we need to make the decision that we feel is best for Drew and the team. At that time, we will, close quote. When will that time be, Zach? I'm, I I really feel encouraged and I really feel optimistic. I'm trying not to read too much into his comments today, but I really do feel like at the very least, we're going to see Drew Locke as the backup to Brandon Allen this week. I, I think now they look at themselves in the mirror. They realize they're three and eight. They have nothing to lose and they have everything to gain by putting Drew Locke in there. So I believe the flock for Locke, I believe the lockdown, whatever you want to call it, is coming to an end. There's so many play on words with Locke, some yeah. not so family friendly, <laughs> but I believe I believe we're going to see him really, really soon. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Terry Packer jumping in with a $20 donation on Thank Super you, Terry. Chat. Appreciate you. 
means a lot, Terry. And, and by the way, this is something that Zach and I, when we get that, the, the, the financial support from our listener base, I mean, it, it floors us. Like we, we appreciate it more than you guys know. And we are coming up with ways right now. The first thing off the cuff is we had a bunch of shirts made up that we're going to be sending out as we've already talked about mm-hmm. to our super chat um, donors. And we're also cooking up other ways and cool rewards and thank yous that we can send to those who support the show financially. Zach, I wanted to get to something else that Fangio talked about today at the podium. He was asked about whether or not he will consider making any kind of a change to the offensive line. Specifically, he was asked by Cecil Lammy of 104.3 The Fan whether or not he could consider making a, tack- a change at left tackle. Let me read to you this quote for the sake of our listeners. Fangio says, quote, that's all dependent upon Jawan James. He's cleared to play, but we have to get him ready to play. He's got to get mentally ready to play, emotionally ready to play, and be able to go out there and play good, not just go out there. That's part of that equation, speaking to whether or not a change can be made at offensive tackle, close quote. Zach, do you think if Juwan James, and I, the stars might be aligning here for Drew Locke's debut to feature only the third start of the season for Juwan James, could you see the Broncos biting that another bullet and pulling Garrett Bowles, maybe kicking over Elijah Wilkins into left tackle that where he manned all of the summer and, and through preseason and benching Garrett Bowles? I mean, you mean to tell me we could see Drew Locke and Garrett Bowles off the field on the same week? I want to faint from this news chat. It makes me so happy. <laughs> from reading between that comment, though, I feel like they want a competent backup in place. And if Jawan James is out, they're not going to have one because they're going to have to start Wilkinson. So if Wilkinson's available, if he returns to being a role player, then I feel like they have more comfort starting him on the right side, which I think is where he fits more naturally. It's easier than defending the blind side of the quarterback. In that case, though, like I said, having Bowles, but by virtue of him being on the field alone, it's a detriment to this offense. It's hurting the offense. So getting him out of the game is addition by subtraction in the truest sense. Absolutely. And that offensive line, Jacob, you're 100% right. That was arguably the worst game of the season for that unit as a whole. But there's also a reason why. I don't want to make excuses for the big boys up front, but you had the trio, the interior trio of Dalton Reisner, Connor McGovern, and Ronald Leary nursing significant injuries. Vic Fangio all of last week was never really in doubt that they would play, but they were banged up. And uh, that factored into Dalton Reisner having his worst game as a pro, even though he's a rookie. Connor McGovern getting shown up by Shaq Lawson. And Ronald Leary, he didn't play too bad from pass protection, but really that that offensive line, as you say, they got whooped, Zach. They really did. And uh, you have Reisner. We talk about McGovern for letting that sack on, on Brandon Allen, but Reisner was also turned around on that play. He had a bad performance. He also has a bum ankle, so we have to give him some excuse there. He's also a rookie. But yeah, I mean, this offense was always kind of a makeshift group, this offensive line, and it, it's not surprising to me that they had a, a letdown performance. It's a very, very good Bills defense. I don't want to take anything away from Buffalo here. They get paid too, but when Leary is the most the stable person on the offensive line, if we don't hear much of him, then you know what kind of day it was. Six foot ten coming in with a question on the Broncos here. Would it be a waste if the Broncos used their first round pick on Chase Young, the dynamic edge rusher from Ohio State? And it's funny you bring that up because Eric Trickle had a story and a video analyzing that very question last week. I suggest you go check it out at milehighhuddle.com. But my opinion, Eric's all for it. I mean, he thinks that if the if Chase Young's there for the Broncos or wherever they end up picking, right now they currently hold the number five overall pick. If Chase Young's there, he's saying go get him. Because you never know what's going to happen with Von Miller. You don't know what's going to happen with Bradley Chubb. 
you know, build the nest around Drew Locke. That might not, not, you know, influence or impact Drew Locke directly like a tackle, offensive tackle, or, you know, another wide receiver might. But Trickle's saying Chase Young is that level of prospect that even though you already have an embarrassment of riches, as it were, Zach, Trickle says if, if Chase Young's there, go get him. I'm not sure I'm quite on the same page. It would depend on who else is still on the board from an offensive tackle perspective. Yeah, No offense to Eric. I respect his work and his opinions, but I, I don't like this scenario at all, Chad. The only way I could see it being a possibility is if they trade Von Miller, pick up an extra first-round pick, and then they can double-dip in the first round. But going for an edge rusher, we need a potential franchise quarterback or a franchise left tackle. It's just irresponsible. They're not in the position to make luxury selections. They need to draft almost for need and the best player available at that spot, either along their offensive of line or quarterback. Stu jumping in with a $25 donation. Thank you, Stu. Always. Chat. Thank you. You are the man. Um, let's uh, grab one or two more guys and then we will get out of here. Here's a question specifically from Cole about whether or not we heard Vic's comments about if he would keep Locke as the starter if he comes in and has a bad game as Allen did. Wasn't exactly a resounding yes. And while that's true, Fangio did say that, look, you know, every game has its own um, story to it. It would be completely contingent on what the unique facts and situation is in that game. It was completely hypothetical. The truth is, you guys, once the Broncos turn the page, and this is one of the reasons why they've dragged me on the clock, they know once they insert him and start the clock, you can't bench him. It's ride or die until you get an answer on whether or not he's your guy. You can't do what you did with Paxton Lynch and play him one game and then pull him back out and then wait a few more weeks, put him back in. I mean, it's just not conducive to what works in the NFL. In the NFL, what you see across the league, Zach, is a player gets drafted high, whether it's first round, second round. He might sit for a little while, but eventually he plays. More often than not, it's at some point in his rookie year, and the team never looks back. It's a really good point. And it's something they can't even do. They could do with Brandon Allen, Joe Flacco, they can get away with. But like you said, once they turn a Drew Locke, there is no going back. And I think that terrifies John Elway because one of the scenarios is either Locke is really good or he's really bad. And I think after Paxton Lynch and Keenum and Flacco, he can't stomach another bad quarterback blowing up in his face again. So it's just, yeah, get over that fear. Get over the PSC. Get over the being trigger happy. Pull Locke in the game. But I don't even think Elway knows and made a decision, so Fangio wouldn't know and make a decision. He's just parroting and being a company man. I think it will happen, but don't be surprised if Fangio plays as close to his chest and kind of drags the process out, if only for some sort of competitive advantage. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Going back in time, the Denver Broncos, the only quarterback in 2018 the Broncos did not have the chance to draft were, were, were Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And you can even argue in the case of Sam Darnold, had they been willing to place them into position to draft Darnold. But nevertheless, they passed on the likes of Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and then Lamar Jackson in that first round. Looking back on it, they took Bradley Chubb. Zach, do you think that was still the right decision? In in hindsight, with what we know now, even though he got hurt this year, there's no control in that. Did the Broncos make the right decision? Can you imagine what this team would look like with Josh Allen? And before you answer that, if Josh Allen were drafted last year in the first round, would he have even be playing yet? I mean, with his Broncos, right. would they have allowed him on the field yet? That's a really good point. Yeah, so many hypotheticals are so hard to answer. 
because there's so many different situations with each one. I still think even in hindsight, the Broncos made the right move because generational pass rushers, potential Hall of Fame pass rushers are almost as hard to find as franchise quarterbacks. They were, you know, they tried to move up for Sam Darnold. That didn't work out. They could have had, or they wanted, you know, uh, Denzel Ward went before them. Chubb, Chubb fell in their lap. He was a generational player. Vaughn's getting up there. They knew they had to hedge their bets with him. And you saw the impact that healthy Chubb can make with Vaughn. I still like the decision. I'm still not the biggest Josh Allen fan, but at some point, Chad, they're going to have to take a quarterback quarterback if they don't succeed with Drew Locke in the first round. They can't keep passing on it and hoping for these these flyers to work out. We'll take a couple more and then we got to get out of here for tonight, you guys. This is another hot topic that uh, ignited in Broncos country on Monday. Stoney Neff wants to know what happened with Brittany Bolin. Well, the team announced that she's going to take her place in the front office as VP off the top of my head. Now I can't remember what it was uh, next week as a VP of something with uh, Business strategy or something like that? Stadium relations. All I all I can remember from what I read on the press release is that it, she's going to be her first project be taking care of the stadium grounds and some upgrades and things that needed to take place there. But yeah, it's the next step in the you know the the direction that this team needs to go if they if the Pat Bowen Trust continues to be intent on passing the torch to Brittany Bowen. She's taking that step. We've been hearing about it now for a, a few months that eventually at some point this season. She was going to join the Broncos in official capacity and an executive role. We found out that it's as a VP. Uh, I'll get back to you on that, exactly what her her role is. But, I mean, this is one of those topics, Zach, where, you know, it's good to see that something's happening, but it's another one of those situations where I don't think any resolution is going to come on this till 2021, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, if then. I mean, they, they pretty much gave her not a high-level job. It's almost like a low-level job that she's going to have to work her way up in the organization from and climb the corporate ladder. She's still young enough where that can happen, but at least it's nice to see there's some sort of plan being executed here. It's nice to see that the ownership situation is moving. It's not stagnant completely. It's going to take a while still, and she's the favorite. Things can still change. There's going to be lawyers and everything, but I got to think Elway's kind of sweating this now, having another person in the building, a person that if they get control of the team, you never know what they can do with it. By the way, VP of Strategic Initiatives is her official title. So, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. And uh, a couple more here, guys, then we got to get out of here. Mark says, $5 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you, it, bro. He says, the Appreciate force is you. strong with you guys. And by the way, I followed Zach for a long time. The dude is so realistic, honest, and funny. <laughs> good dude. I concur. He is a good dude. Mark, thanks for the donation. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. One last thing here, and then we will bid you all a good evening. There is one that I missed here. Here it is. From Andy, do you guys think that the Broncos should try and go get a guy like Teddy Bridgewater next year? Zach, I'm of the opinion that you need to find out what you have in Drew Locke. Yep. I'm, I'm not convinced five games is enough of a sample size. I'm saying unless it's Nathan Peterman caliber bombing in that five-game sample size, you got to give him the five games and all of the 16 games in 2020. You already have a backup. Maybe you go to Joe Flacco and see if he's willing to take, you know, half or less of what his he's on the salary cap for next year. If not, you bid him adieu. 
and you've got Brandon Allen as your stopgap ready to go, I'm not going and spending and throwing any more money, even on a more encouraging, younger, upside guy like Teddy Bridgewater, former first-round pick, went 5-0 and as a starter this year for the New Orleans Saints. I'm not – we've been down that path too many times. Yeah. Band-Aid quarterbacks, reclamation projects, it'll be different in Denver type things. Right. No more of that. It's time to do it the hard way. I mean, is he? Would he bring Sean Payton with him? Because then, yeah, I could. I would. I would love Terry, Terry, Teddy Bridgewater, but he's not, and I would not trust a Broncos coaching staff right now to get that type of production out of him. Like Chad said, no more fill-ins, no more band-aids, no more veteran acquisitions. Get a young guy, build him up in a system, and go play with him. All right, last one here: a ten-dollar donation from one of our great listeners, Drew Hollenbeck, on Super Chat. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate your bro. He says, what's going on with Chris Harris Jr.? He's been getting torched for weeks and started the season fantastic. I mean, I think he's been pretty inconsistent all year long, Drew, for what it's worth. Maybe he did play a little bit better early on in the season, but these last eight games, let's say, he's had the unhappy habit of pretty much limiting the number one receiver for three quarters of, a, of the game only to give up that clutch play somewhere in the fourth quarter that is just a dagger that kills the Broncos. Why that's happening, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think if you boil it down, Zach, Chris Harris Jr., he's not meant to be the number one guy. He's meant to be the strongest number two corner in the NFL. All right. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, he's not a top five corner, not top three corner. He's a top 10 corner. But what happened to him this season is what happens to most players. Father time is undefeated. He's getting up there in age. I mean, you're going to see some sort of drop off. He's past his prime now. And I think he kind of maxed out his talents or his abilities in Denver. He kind of reached his ceiling here. Still a very good player to have, but not having Bryce Callahan out there, not having that full secondary, it really skewed the Broncos' plans for him. And he's like Chad said, he's not meant to be an outside corner predominantly. He's not meant to shadow receivers on the outside going up against possession guys and big body guys he is one of the best slot corners in the nfl but the broncos are really stretching him out and they're kind of exposing him for what he is a very good but i wouldn't say a great elite corner anymore chad considering the inconsistency in which he's playing with and in in his defense he hasn't had a supporting cast this year to take any of the pressure off him bryce callahan that was a complete botched failure the broncos didn't get a single snap out of him Devonte bosby started to show some signs after Isaac Yadam, the the third option, completely bombed early. Bosby started showing something before he got hurt quickly. And Harris, you know, he had one solid game, Devontae Harris, I should say, against the Browns, but he's been exploited big time in the last two games yeah. back-to-back, you know, giving up touchdowns. And then, Chris, let me read to you. Eric Trickle released his grades uh, for Week 12. Let me just read to you this quick um, – clip on Chris Harris, who was one of the gr- lowest graded players for, for trickle in uh, week 12, he received a 27.2 grade, which is on mm. a scale of 100. So not good quote. It was a rough game from Harris as he has struggled all season. He was beaten for a big touchdown once again, late in the game. The worst thing about Watt to point it out, but it's mistake by him. And he is quick to blame someone else. That has been the story of his season. And I would concur Zach. It's, it's one of the irritating aspects of, of Chris Harris Jr. is the first thing that happens if he gets burned, think back to the Minnesota game in particular, he gets burned over the top and he's pointing to someone else. And even though we learned that there should have been ha- safety help there, he got beaten, man. He let his guy create some serious separation on him. Just fall on the sword and admit you got burned on the reps at. 
I mean, and but when he makes a good play, he's the first one to thump his chest. It's just the type of personality that he has, and it's not surprising if you think back to his comments he made after getting his little uh, bump in salary. He said, I still want number one cornerback money. It was the first comment he made after the Broncos gave in to him. They didn't have to do that, but they did it anyway out of good faith, and he made that comment like, I'm still, it's not good enough, I want more. It's just the type of personality that he is. I think it's a little... Um, bombastic, but we've grown to appreciate that when he's good on the field. But when he starts, his play starts falling off. Then you start to see him for what he is and his personality starts to rub some the wrong way. And by the way, as Lance says here, one of the co-hosts of Dove Valley Deep Divers, they broke down Chris Harris Jr. and what's going on there on Sunday's pod. And it's worth a listen. I mean, most of that episode is just talking about Chris Harris Jr. and what's going on at corner and looking ahead to the 2020 draft. I suggest you guys go check that out. Good point there by Lance. All right, one more. I got to grab this one. Caught my eye from Brandon. How many first-team reps do you think Locke gets this week? I was wanting for them to announce him as the starter today, so that way he could get all the first-team reps this week. Yeah. Zach, if, he is, if the team, in fact, says he's the starter, he's going to get all of them. Brandon Allen has now gotten three full weeks, four if you count the bye, even though they didn't really practice during the bye. But for a month, let's just say, Brandon Allen's received the majority of first-team reps. The Broncos don't really have to question whether or not he knows what he's doing. If, in fact, the torch is getting passed to Locke, they need to give him all the reps as opposed to what he's been getting the last two weeks, which is about a quarter of the first-team reps, eight to ten reps per practice. Yeah, for, that's a great point, Chad. For someone like Brandon Allen, for his as, as limited as he is as a quarterback, he knows the offense on, like the back of his hand at this point. Drew Locke doesn't, so if they want him to start, he's going to need the majority, not just a few, not just splitting the reps, all of the reps, the majority, 95% at least of the reps. I would not be surprised, Chad, if they came out tomorrow and named him the starter going into the practice on Wednesday uh, for the game this weekend. But if they don't, let's say in a worst-case situation, I could see a 50-50 split in reps just to get Drew Locke back in the mix, get him involved with the offense, and still keep that that air of vagueness open for the opponent this week of which quarterback is going to play for Denver, Allen or Drew Locke. All right, last one. I swear Jordan is a consistent supporter of the show, big-time donor on Super Chat as well. He wants to know, if Skangs can't elevate Drew Locke, do you think it makes a case for Elway to bring Mike Shanahan back to develop Locke? I bet Shanahan could make Locke great if Skangs can't. Look, that's a question that's so far down the road, my friend, that it's it's hard to even wrap your brain around at this point. That's a problem. Mike Shanahan's not coming back to be an offensive coordinator. If he ever comes back to the NFL, it's going to be as a head coach. You know, I mean, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion head coach. He's the all-time winningest head coach in Broncos history. And if he ever comes back to Denver as a coach, it would only be to, to be the head coach. And, yeah, I think, you know, Shanahan's track record in developing quarterbacks is pretty strong. He got a playoff-caliber season, and I, if I remember right, a Pro Bowl season out of Brian Greasy. He got he, – you want to talk about a reclamation project. He completely resurrected Jake Plummer's career after he flamed out with the Cardinals. And then Jay Cutler. I mean, Jay Cutler was on pace to becoming a bona fide real deal. I mean, made the Pro Bowl in 2008 before they pulled the plug on Shanahan. So, the, And then RG3, Kirk Cousins. The track record's there, but he's not taking any job outside of helping his son and being there in the booth and you know giving him some pointers. He's not taking any job, Zach, that's not as the head coach. And considering what we learned in 2018 about the Joe Ellis, uh, that, that shoot down of bringing him back to the organization, why would he come back to Denver at all, let alone to be a coordinator? It's just not going to happen. But let me tell you one thing. The Broncos could have avoided all of this. They just would have hired his son instead of Vance Joseph. would have been a lot easier and it solved a lot of problems, Chad. 
Kyle Shanahan was the guy both of us wanted. We weren't even working together yet at the time, but he was <laughs> hired right. in 2017. But both of us advocated and pounded the table for Kyle Shanahan. They went with the leader of men that is Vance Joseph, and the rest is history. And, and you know, the one thing I'll say that I want to tip my cap to San Francisco on is they didn't panic when things didn't go swimmingly with Kyle Shanahan out of the gates. And, it, you know, they had some bad luck with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury last year. And finally all the fruits of their labor and all the – you know, the scheme has come to the surface that's matched up with the talent they've been able to assemble over the last three years. So you got to tip your cap to them. They've done it the hard way. They've done it the right way. And it's paying dividends for them. I'm really curious, Zach, to see how far this thing can go for the San Francisco 49ers and, and Kyle Shanahan. But that's a good point. And that's also lends credence to what we say that you got to give Vic Fangio another year, at least. You have to stick with some sort of continuity for at least yep. two seasons. If Vance Joseph got two, Vic Fangio was at least getting two. And everyone was talking about the Niners a couple years ago last year. They were in a top five every year. They weren't winning games. They were a laughing stock. And now they're one of the best teams in the entire NFL on a, a collision course with the Super Bowl. So you got to give coaches time. I'm not saying Fangio is going to have the same success, I'm not saying he has the same abilities, but you need that continuity annuity you just got to give it more than a year turnover is the worst thing you can do in the nfl yep and one of the reasons why you guys i mean because even today i had to tamp down several comments on social media that was fire vic fangio comments the reason why it takes time in many cases especially if you hire a head coach with an unstable quarterback situation but it takes time for a head coach's philosophy to imprint and his way of doing things from a schematic and from a nuts and bolts overall overarching philosophy perspective takes time to imprint on a team. And it also, Zach, takes time for the personnel department, the front office, the scouts to stock the cupboards with players who fit the scheme on both sides of the ball, specifically to that head coach. And for the Niners, it's been the perfect storm, man. Two years, they stock the shells. Finally, they get this one more draft that really put them over the edge, getting Nick Bosa. And the rest is history. Now they are I mean, as you said, they're on a collision course for the Super Bowl. It's probably them or the Saints coming out of the NFC. And it's going to be fun to see how it shakes out, but that's what it takes, Zach. And also, let's not forget the fact that the 49ers a couple years ago, when John Lynch was putting that staff together, they stole the Broncos scouting director, Adam Peters. He's a main personnel guy now, so a lot of credit to him. And the uprising of the Niners kind of coincides with the, 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 the aggression of the Broncos in recent years. So you have to wonder how much influence he had in the building and how much it was him and not Matt Russell and John Elway. If I'm John Elway, I'm seriously considering just saying, look, I'm president of football operations and I have final say. But I'm putting a call in to Adam Peters saying, hey, come be the GM of the Denver Broncos. You know, I'm just a rubber stamp guy. I'm here to support you. Come be the personnel guy and see what happens. But that's a topic for another time, you guys. Thank you for joining us here tonight on the Aftermath episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, as you can see here on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned, you guys, because there will be a fresh episode on Wednesday of Building the Broncos. And then on Thursday, you know, we haven't quite yet decided what's – we'll probably get together Wednesday night, one more pod for you guys before – our Zach and I anyway, before Thanksgiving. And But just in case there is not, and we'll announce it on Twitter exactly what the programming is going to be for the rest of the week. But in case we don't talk to you between now and Thanksgiving, you guys have a great Thanksgiving yes. holiday. Enjoy your families. Take some time off. And Zach, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, my brother. You too, my friend. Everyone, be safe. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the food. It's my favorite holiday of the year, personally. I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to have it this year. Football, food, family, the three Fs. 
What's better than that? that. Nope. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Thanks again to all of you who joined us and a mile high salute to all of our big time super chat donors. We love you guys. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.